This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barchies and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden, bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. It's another premiere pod because we are. It's week two. It's the last week, correct? So it's very exciting to be able to talk about all the all the shows, especially because at NYCC, there was Winchester's news that I don't think anyone expected. Tom Welling is going to be in the show and he's going to play Mary's dad, Samuel Campbell. I don't know anything about this man, but I'm very excited for Tom to be in the show. Same. I have no idea what any of it means, but I'm thrilled. Like my favorite castings are ones that you don't expect, but they're so perfect. Like this is so perfect. Mm, yes, yes, be still my Smallville heart. Um, I see when this was announced, I didn't even realize that I am familiar with Samuel and that I think we met him on Supernatural at some point. All I saw was Tom Welling. I still haven't seen past Tom Welling. I can't wait to see Tom <laughs> Welling. And that's my thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So they did provide a description So Samuel taught Mary everything he knows, and he's gruff and pragmatic. He's a veteran hunter who prefers action over words, and and it's always his way or the highway. But when Samuel teams up with Mary and her friends to save the world, he won't only have to defeat the most dangerous monster he's ever faced, he'll also have to mend his broken relationship with his daughter. So we're getting angst. Oh, the description of him sounds exactly like Mary. So like the apple Mm -hmm. didn't fall too far from the tree. (laughs) (laughs) we love it and I feel like Mary's uh, relationship with her father will play into the the show as it goes on so it was only fitting that he show up at some point and yeah like Reed said angst we we love angst on these kinds of shows (laughs) we do love angst on these kinds of shows and we'll get him in episode seven which I know in like a post-mortem the showrunner also said to expect more characters to come I don't know how many but more characters to come back uh towards the end of the season which for me and Reed is just going to be like, don't know who you are, but lovely to see you. <laughs> lovely to see the fandom getting excited. Welcome to the party. <laughs> <laughs> Look, like I said, I, I've met Samuel before and I was still like, don't know who you are. Who are you? Because again, all I saw was Tom Alley. I feel like that's going to be the fun with this show. There may be some references I will pick up on. There may be some I won't. But the thing is, it's just, it looks like a lot of fun and we're in it, we're in it for the ride. Yes, it's going to be a very exciting fall TV season before we get to the mid-season and everything not necessarily falls apart, but we're back to business as usual with The Flash and Superman and Lois and Riverdale with The Flash and Riverdale saying goodbye, which, you know, sad about both, actually. I am sad about both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. It is, but we are in a new era, and that era does include a mental health initiative that the CW launched called Dare to Love, Defy Hate, which this explains why Stevie Wonder was at the upfronts, because not that it wasn't great to hear that he played for the audience, but it did tick me. Like I was like, hmm, okay, but yay, um, when he, he showed up. It's also because he, he did a song for the initiative. Um, that's an answer to the United States Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek H. Murthy's call to tackle the number one issue facing American youth, which is mental health. 
I think that's lovely. Um, because at the end of the day, this network is targeted towards young people, or at least it was in its original format. And the fact is, it just this when I heard about this, I was like, yes, this is something that the CW of old would do. And it's something wonderful that raises awareness that not not, not enough people are talking about. And we all I th- you always see that it ta- coming from a culture where they have like te- shows on television, like British shows that adapt what's going on in real life every day of the week television can be a more powerful tool than any politician than any kind of leader because people watch it they take it in and they think about it so the fact that these kinds of shows that will be reached to young people hopefully still around the world but at least in the u.s if they get to tackle something as important as this day in day out via whatever storylines and characters they love i think that's wonderful and like i said it feels like the cw of old that would do that speaking of i love that it's uh, the name of the initiative is a play on its old branding Mm-hmm. yeah like they're bringing the past into the future and it's really nice because did think that like dare to defy was going to be left behind but it's not it's just evolving which is really nice and the cw does do a lot of mental health content uh for their shows that do skew younger so it'll be interesting to see the storylines that they incorporate into this because they did say that this season superman and lois nancy drew walker walker independence all american all american homecoming will be tackling mental health i think that there are so many shows that stand out to me like yes you can see where they'll put that and it'll be great to see certain characters go through it then you have a show like walker independence where of course mental health wasn't as talked about in times like that so i feel like we'll get to see multiple sides to the story doesn't feel right but you'll get to see multiple points of view and outlooks on and all different walks of life and again this network is full of that and that's why i think it's a great initiative same and i think not to tease episode three of walker independence just yet but there's something that happens that i do believe is going to be the trigger for them to start a mental health storyline but we'll talk about that in after we give our review uh but speaking of the Walker universe, uh, we do have episode counts now. So Walker is on target for 18 episodes this season. And Walker Independence has 13 with the option to add more. And we've discussed it. And personally, I'm good with the 13 or a 15 episode season for Walker Independence. I don't want it to match its parent show. I'm with you there. I feel like they need to keep it um, as tight as possible so the story doesn't meander. For sure. And mm-hmm. it sounds like they already know what they want to do. So I wouldn't want to, not that filler episodes can't be great, like backstories and whatnot, but that maybe not this season. Yeah, this is a show that feels like it's very much had its story mapped out. We said that the trailer for the pilot kind of told you the story then and there. We know where the story's supposed to go. We just don't know how it's going to get there. Too many episodes could water that down. And I think with a show like this, that again, doesn't feel like network TV, a smaller episode count could really benefit it. So if they stay with 13, I'm perfectly happy with that. Fingers crossed. Also, this would be another moment to just remind them all to take the note back to um, CW <laughs> and Roberto, 13 episodes for Roberto <laughs> for the final season. Can't be said enough. <laughs> it cannot be said enough at all. Gonna be saying it until we get actual news about what the episode count is. But to close off um, CW News, we'll just jump into like ratings because we have a, there's a segment that we're going to be adding to our podcast, not on this pod episode, but soon. And it's called the ratings game because 
everyone's in a panic about ratings and we feel like we need to give y'all some context about how this works specifically in the perspective for the CW because you cannot do the ratings game like you do the other networks because if you look at the other ratings they're like oh someone came in at 1.1 million that's sad we're not cracking a million <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, let's, yeah, break it down for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's been such a discourse ever since the sale of the network started about what, what, what kind of ratings are important, what figures into renewals, cancellations and everything. And I feel like a 15 year old again, checking your favorite show's ratings weekly, hopefully hoping that it won't get canceled by a big network like ABC or Fox or CBS because we got so blessed over the years with CW, you never had to do that. Of course, you should check into the ratings every now and again, but it never felt as important as it does now. So I feel like if there's ever a time to talk about ratings with this network, now is the time. It's never been more relevant. And I'm kind of excited to get into it, especially with what we know now about Premier Week and how it's kind of panned out in the landscape looks. I can't really wait to dive into it. And yeah, let's talk ratings. It's going to be so exciting because the premiere ratings are always like that big, ooh, okay, this is where we landed. And then the following episodes, where are we going to stabilize that? Are we going to be high? We're going to be middling or should we be scared? Um, I think so far everyone is okay, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, things are solid, but it's a long season. We'll see how they pan out. <laughs> As true. Well, that ends the CW news section, and now we can launch into what we're watching, which is pretty big. Buckle up, y'all, because we're going to be talking we watch <laughs> quite a, a few shows. <laughs> Back yes. in the fall TV, y'all. <laughs> yes. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0. Starting with All-American, um, and let's just blend All-American and All-American Homecoming together since they were like a, um, a two-parter somewhat, since it was the holidays. I didn't expect to get Christmas and um, New Year's Eve, but it worked. It worked really well. It did work. I did also like, though, that it's it's angsty in the all-american season five premiere like to the point where like with the ending i was near tears because you know who i mean i guess if you, you expected the spencer and olivia breakup but that didn't mean the breakup didn't hurt i mean it was coming they weren't even talking to each other for like what two weeks or so um I remember a few <laughs> weeks ago and i was like are spencer and olivia still together and you were like uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> You nearly got me because I was like, I was about to say no. I was like, wait, I can't say that. <laughs> yeah. But you can. I, I ran I can right know. into an embargo. <laughs> <laughs> but they, it was a sad, it was a sad breakup. But one that was coming was definitely telegraphed because I don't know how you get around the fact that Olivia is investigating his coach for what seems to be some type of 
I don't even remember what phrase they used, but he's having his players attack um, their opponents in a manner that will get them off, like out of the season, like Mm -hmm. um, career destroying injuries on the field. And that is how they're winning their games. Oh, okay. That's not yeah. legal. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and he had uh, in the season five finale, no, season four finale, he wanted her to back off. Um, and I was like, but Spencer, if this man is doing scandalous things and you were on the team, you're going to be caught up in that too. And they're going to want to know if you were complicit. Um, but they broke up because he doesn't, there's a brightness to Olivia when she's hanging out with her friends, when she's doing her journalism. And then her light dims when she's around him because she feels guilty about the investigation. So he breaks up with her so that she can grow in the way that she needs to grow without being concerned about his feelings for things, which things, which is a very mature decision. But at the same time, perhaps we should be involved in the investigation. But um, who knows? To borrow a phrase from Riverdale, are they endgame? Do you think people <laughs> get back together? <laughs> yes, they're endgame. There is, um, this man gets teary whenever he has to talk about, like whenever there's a moment to talk about Olivia, he loves her so deeply and so much. I think he's further in their relationship than she is, which is fine. Um, but they're going to come back together, especially because she said at the end that this is not the end of our love story. Like she's giving him what she thinks he needs, which is to let her go. But she's not like leaving that far. Did he bring up the breakup at all when he popped up in Homecoming? Because I feel like if he did, I completely missed it. So there's a moment where like uh, Spencer goes to talk to Simone about what's going on with her because he wants her to open up. And she's like, how about we talk about what happened with you and Olivia during Christmas break? And he's like, "Mm, how about we not do that? (laughs) (laughs) yeah i missed that that little line it probably went over my head because i didn't watch all american so i didn't really have a breakup in mind so i was like oh okay well okay yeah it was it's like a it's a real short line and they started talking about what was going on with her um not relationship wise but what was going on on the tennis courts it's interesting that like these sports dramas are really doing sports content now all All american was doing it but all american homecoming was it was like scuffles on the court and scuffles on the baseball field but we weren't really the stakes weren't as high as they're about to be now in all american homecoming um because as we always say the girls are fighting and they are (laughs) fighting hard yeah can i say i don't know if i'm out of place here (laughs) but uh simone's coach the way she spoke to her i was like isn't that serious can you be nicer to her like she's trying it's not like she's just like you know hanging out in her dorm like eating chips all day and missing practice but she's like putting the work in and her coach is like so mean to her it was it was a lot it reminded me of the coaches on the football teams and all american because this is this is like there are stakes here thea i always say thea but i think it's thea thea um was their star player and Simone is not necessarily responsible for her injury, but she, their tennis match, like that was not a good decision. And they has grown. She made the decision herself, but she re-injured herself. And so, and so the coach was just like, she's injured and you were still about to lose. Like wake up and smell the coffee. There's a lot of, that you need to like improve with. And I think Simone didn't really get that. I think she was just on cloud nine because she was top mm-hmm. six, um, which they don't let her be on cloud nine for that long. Um, they pop that bubble real quick. Yeah. She was wide awake. 
very much awake and <laughs> the, um, the coach does not like her. Uh, so I don't know what's happening. I was like, let me get on that court and defend Simone. Like <laughs> she made choices too, but I'm like, okay, let's be nicer. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jeffy Maya did say that uh, it's going to be real messy this season. And I'm thinking it's going to be real messy when it comes to the sports teams and when it comes to the relationships which is going to be interesting because um, compared to All-American, like it's feeling very justice heavy over there. Like we're going to, we're, we're seekers of truth in that All-American homecoming. It's drama with a capital D. Yeah, it's very dramatic, but there's something about the show that is so cozy to me. Like it just feels mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it feels like fall, it feels cozy. Mm-hmm. And there's just like drama that I'm like, oh, that got a little serious real quick. <laughs> like Damon's like decision to leave. And they were all like, you have 48 hours to decide. And I was like, oh, okay. And really lighting a fire under him. That was shocking to me. I was like, I, did, I didn't expect it to go way off the deep end like that. No, I, with Amara, I know that she has to be like, she has to put her presidential hat on. But, but it I feels like she took it personally a little bit. Yeah, she like, she's like, wow, I really have to like pull my boots up. Like I have to, I can't be on Amara right now. You're, I love you, but if I if it was anybody else, this is what the time clock would be. And I was like, would it be? I feel no. like she'd be. <laughs> it was so serious. I appreciated it. I love the drama, but yes. it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and the drama of the reveal that um, they didn't know, and the way that she find finds out, like you let her find out via the news oh at family dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the news. Oh, that was so dramatic. They all just like the air was sucked out of the room. It was so funny, but dramatic. <laughs> it was. Well, also, he didn't even look at his girlfriend first. He looked at Simone first. He did. Yeah. Which I, I mean, I don't get the Damon and Thea relationship. I'm sorry. Um, If I had to explain it from his perspective, Simone was off limits and that's the girl that he liked. So why wait around for her when there's another girl who you are attracted to, mm-hmm. who likes you, who opens up in the way that he likes and like as he can open up to her. And so he's like trying and I'm like, but I know this is a stopover relationship. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I can't get like into it. Cause I like, I'm like, I can see it. I know that it's like the, like you said, the stopover and they're so different, which it's fun to watch. Like as a viewer, whenever you're, watching these kinds of like relationship shows and there's like a new exciting relationship. And even if they're mismatched, it can be so fun to watch it. Like, okay, how does this implode? <laughs> how do we get to the next one? <laughs> exactly. And it causes, it causes a lot of drama. It's going to continue to cause a lot of drama because it's not like the is secure in that relationship either. Mm-hmm. Considering Simone is around and she knows that Damon has, still has, mis- well, not misplaced, but he has feelings for her. Otherwise, why are we coming to blows with um, Jordan in the equipment room? Yeah, there are so many layers to like their conflict, Thea and Simone. Mm-hmm. Oof. I'm excited for the for the season it's to see where it goes. Yes, because it's like simmering right now. I mean, there are, there are like different pots going on both sides. You have Jordan and Layla figuring out their relationship, but um, Layla's being like a boss lady, but also trying to get her her dad's company back from. A man who she his name is Clay. She he was 
seeing him was too strong of a word. They're, they were sleeping together <laughs> and, and he wanted more and she did not. And she was upfront. She'd been upfront about that, but he caught feelings and she did not catch feelings. So he comes back like a Disney villain and um, accepts, <laughs> accepts her dad's offer to take the company over. And he swears he's just doing it for his career, but he had too many bitter lines mm-hmm. during the premiere. I like, so you're punishing her for not getting in a relationship with you by taking over her father's company and then also trying to steal her artist, the artist that she's going after. We need to go to therapy. We need to talk <laughs> to somebody. That's often the solution in shows. I'm like, I won't name drop, but there's a Netflix show where I was like, episode one, I was like, if this person only went to... Um, to therapy just one time we would save ourselves <laughs> eight more hours of this <laughs> <laughs> but with clay i don't know how this is gonna resolve um but or how layla and jordan's gonna i like them i like them a lot simona of course was upset during the all-american premiere um because she's like how are you gonna just move on like that like i didn't even move on like that and it's because damon's in a relationship let's be honest but like mm-hmm. um but if I guess she said she would have given it time. So we would have just continued flirting with Damon and put him on a time clock until it's acceptable to be in a relationship with him. I, I don't really know what the logic there was, but they came back in a really strong way with Layla and Simone um, because they both got each other thoughtful Christmas gifts because they were each other's secret Santas because JJ is not as oblivious as they all think he is. And he knew something was going on. So he made them secret Santas so they could repair their relationship. Okay. Uh, yes, and um, I believe Simone got uh, Layla like this frame thing that she could put all of her record companies uh, vinyl, not vinyl, the so small ones that you get when something when a song does well, and like you, she could put them all in. Oh yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, in the frame, and then Layla got her a new charm for her charm bracelet that had to do with something tied to uh, her son, which. That was beautiful, but also it let Simone know that Layla and Jordan are talking about certain things because the only person she told um, about the thing that's going on with her son is Jordan. This is the cute little moment. I forget what the third thing is right now. Um, and I was like, oh no, Layla accidentally gave away the game. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was very sweet. Um, and so, but Jordan and Layla, and not Jordan and Layla, Jordan and Simone are fine now. After the tussle with Damon, you have them having their own talk about going back to being friends, which I know the Jordan and Simone people are not happy about, but it also didn't necessarily feel like they were over. It felt like we're on, there's a possibility for the door to open. There always is. You never know. You just got to keep watching. Exactly. So they just keep hope alive. I don't know. I said that as someone who wants Damon and Simone. I don't know what to tell people who want Simone um, in Jordan, especially because they're on separate shows. Uh, but just to talk about the last the last relationship, Cam and Keisha. Uh, I don't know how, I mean, the show's going to help them get through this bump because Cam lost his, his scholarship because he chose to go to the, what was it, the event that was going to save the school or something over showing he missed curfew and that's how he got off the team and he lost his scholarship and that's why she wasn't allowed to go see his parents when he had scheduled it because he didn't want to introduce his girlfriend at the same time as telling them he lost his scholarship and I know that that was a decision that he made but I also had to sit back and internalize the information 
that you chose to go to an event for your girlfriend, knowing that if you miss curfew, you could lose your scholarship. You made the right decision by not bringing her to the house during the holidays <laughs> when you were telling your parents you lost your scholarship. Mess. Where does he work? He works somewhere now, right? He made a delivery. Yes, they had that whole scene with him and the um and the visor because he's a pizza delivery guy. There we are. There it is. Okay. <laughs> yes, because he's trying to figure out how to pay for school, and I was just like, great. I don't really know what to do with their with their storyline because I just don't see how we aren't eventually going to get to a point where he's a bit resentful that he made that decision. True. Even though he says he's not right now, I just don't, when it becomes harder to be able to pay for college, especially if his parents aren't able to, no, they aren't able to help because he said that's the whole, like that they're different. He mm-hmm. needed that scholarship and now he doesn't know how he's going to get through the year, let alone like the rest of the semester. It'll get worse before it gets better. That is true, especially because his communication skills are lacking. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm I'm rooting for them. I'm just I want. I feel like this is not the end of that particular drama. So I'm going to keep my hopes um, and my expectations at a reasonable level when it comes to their relationship. Same. Is there anything else we should talk about for All American Homecoming? I don't think so. I think all I wanted to bring up was the, um, now I'm blanking. What did I say earlier? I don't know. I already said Oh, that. wait, wait, was it, um, oh, that, Nate, was it Nate watching the? <gasps> oh yeah. Her, um, the NeNe Leaks reference. <laughs> now why am I in it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's my favorite meme. When she said it, I was like, oh, that's my meme. <laughs> she was minding her business i think um i do think she was chopping salad though y'all have to let us know what, what she was doing in the background not that she wasn't listening to the conversation but it happened to be in front of her what was she supposed to do she was getting food minding her business minding her business and <laughs> her name was brought up <laughs> and i was like cam don't get out of pocket like you, you're the one having problems with keisha right now perhaps you should have taken it to the other room or outside of the, of the apartment i don't know true but I'm excited for both seasons to see what happens next. They're the only two sports dramas on the CW, perhaps the only ones that will exist for a very, very long time because um, All-American was the only one to be successful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then I brought along All-American Homecoming. But, you know, two was good. Two was mm, fine. The All-American versus Lev's. Yes. And now we have, there's so many universes now. Because oh, yeah. now, like talking about the Winchesters, the supernatural verse is back on the CW. And we can finally talk about it. Finally. It's exciting because I know for me, Walker Independence is like, was the most anticipated. And it's the one that I feel like in my heart of hearts is my favorite. But if we're like to be, to do um, objective over subjective, the Winchesters is it. Like the Winchesters is the show of dare I say 2022 2023 season I mean you'll yeah. Yeah, I mean, be hard pressed to get an <laughs> argument from us um, I'm thinking about everything we said in our spoiler free review and I just feel like I, all I really want to say right now is double down on it I've seen this pilot so many times you, you both know you've seen it as well and it just it's so much fun and it's 
of course there's darkness in it, but it's just, it feels like such like a light, nostalgic, enjoyable TV series. Um, it's, it's, of course, it's a love letter to the supernatural fans, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's something old, but something new. It, it does so much we know from the modern CW, but at the same time, it pays so much tribute to the WB shows of old. It's, I'm trying to think of the right word to, to describe it. And, and the word reused earlier comes to mind. Cozy. I love this kind of show. This is my kind of comfort show. And I really think I'm going to keep getting attached to the characters, the stories throughout it. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself. I haven't even talked about the pilot this time. But um, yeah, what a ride. What a ride. And so interesting. (laughs) It's so good. And like the changes they made from like the screeners that we saw to what actually aired. And it was so interesting this time around, you know, seeing the way certain scenes fit together better. I am, I did not expect to be going so hard for John and Mary out the gate. Right out of the gate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like right in front of our faces, right? Like we're, I mean, we're supposed to ship them, but I was like, I was, you're like you're right. I wasn't expecting to like feel that connection to them right from like their first scene together. Mm-hmm. And I love that their first scene together is them in front of the movie theater talking about licorice drops and him being back in town um, for the first time in like years. And I was like, this is this is very cute. And it's, you, there was an instant attraction and connection that just follows you all the way through the episode. And I, I'm on board, like for, for them individually and together, I'm incredibly on board. Mm-hmm. Meg and Drake have such good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's insane. And I love that scene so much because he was just off. Uh, he, he, he was just back in town looking for that, purpose but at the same time she wasn't looking for a distraction and just for those like couple of minutes they just found each other and it set up this like infectious dynamic that you just you couldn't help but watch them and ship ship them and root for them throughout the remainder of the episode and chemistry absolutely off the charts right from the beginning so funny too because it feels like their um their purposes are so similar but their motives are different like mary's like this is I like I need to get out of this I'm like over this I'm gonna do this one last thing find my dad get up out of here move on with my life and he's like this is what I was here for (laughs) this is my legacy (laughs) he's got like these starry eyes and she's very jaded um and I, I I love seeing how that brings them together where she's kind of like oh my god he's so annoying and she's he's like oh my god she's really cool (laughs) I'd love that because well, one, it's the, as you said, Michael, infectious dynamic, but two, it's like it's centered on them looking for their fathers or what their fathers were up to. And they're coming from it from different perspectives. Like Mary knows her dad. Like, so there is a, there is an irritation there about the way that he ran off and just left her. And that's not what you're supposed to do. And then with John, he doesn't know his dad because he left. So like, he's very, he can paint the picture however he wants. And so the little tidbits he gets, especially from, um, oh, what is her name? The lady who do, did the, who was the pawn shop, not pawn shop, bookshop, occult bookshop. Ada? Ada. Ada. Yeah. So when she tells him like about how kind he was, his dad was. 
Um, it had a nice smile. I think so that those little tidbits of, informa- of information allow John to like build his dad up without actually having to confront the notion of, yep, yeah, he left. Mm-hmm. Um, which you, you saw that through John, wasn't it? When he was, was he re- looking at the picture of him when he was re- 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 telling Mary what his, his dad used to say to him when he was a kid? You see that like warmth in them that Mary kind of doesn't have, obviously, because things that her, she said it lived a very different life than he did. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that he's not resentful to his his dad and he clearly loves his father. But I was like, how long is this like, I'm a golden retriever. This is a wonderful um, exploration of what my father was up to. Like, how long is that going to last? I do wonder, because he's like, he was just trying to protect us. And I was like, okay, but he still left your mom and you. Like, I really want you to sort of <laughs> dig into that notion. Um, but I don't know. I think, um, at least I hope, or I can uh, see this happening, Mary will kind of help him unpack those feelings that he maybe doesn't quite have access to because he has kind of rose-colored glasses on because he's like, oh, this whole new world, monsters, and where's my dad? I want to know him. And I think it'll be an interesting character arc for John and also um, a, a great performance for Drake to go through that um the peaks and valleys of John figuring out who he is, where he came from and why he's been put in this world. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I hope we get some of those deep conversations from John and Mary about their dads because they have a lot in common, even though it's the circumstances are different. And it's lovely that they have a lot in common because it allows them to connect instantly um, I do like she is sort of like annoyed with him, but fondly. It's like a mm-hmm. fond annoyance. Like she, I think she likes how how much light he has in him. Um, which I don't know much about John Winchester, but I have seen the comments on Twitter and from Drake's own interviews that light does not necessarily exist when he becomes um, when he is older. So I'm. I'm not excited to see it go. No, <laughs> I don't want him to get hardened and like jaded. <laughs> I know. Um, having recently watched The Walking Dead, it's hard to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan as anything other than the villainous Negan. But Jeffrey Dean Morgan did play some nicer characters over the years. But I can say that John Winchester kind of walked that line between doing the right thing but not being the best father. So I even, even though he's still, he's not exactly a heroic character, but he is the boys' hero in Supernatural, it's still very hard to imagine Drake Rogers, John Winchester ever getting to that point. But I think that's also one of the most exciting things about the show and why I hope it runs for a long time. How do you get from A to B? Where does the story go? How does, I'm not going to say John turn into Mary because Mary very much is a hardened view of the world. And I think the thing that she likes the most about John is that he doesn't, but we know how their story ends and that John Winchester does get something of a heart and view about the world. And I think I'm really excited to see how that plays out over the course of however many seasons the Winchesters has. I want to circle back to their relationship and talk about a scene that we were talking about while the episode is airing. Um, It was when they're going to wherever the whole gang is going to I don't even know how to explain what happened in the climax of the show. <laughs> um, but they're in the van and they get there and Latika, is that how you pronounce your name? Mm-hmm. She is like nervous. She's timid about like um, becoming a hunter. She doesn't have a lot of confidence. And John's the one that kind of 
he's got that sparkle in his eye and he relates to her and holds his hand out for her. And the, the scene that we talked about and clung on to was when Mary looks back and notices this happening. And we were like, are we setting up a love triangle? Like, cause Mary definitely like clocked it. Um, but I told you guys I had a different reading of that scene yes. and I want to get into it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I rewatched the scene and there's, I think there's two shots of Mary seeing in at the very end. She kind of like grins when he, when she sees um, John help Latika like join them. And in my reading, I'm like, she's endeared to him, like being mm-hmm. the person that can um, relate to people or like just to see his personality like that. Um, I think in my eyes, I was like, oh, she's like, and that's something that's going to help like Mary fall in love with him. But I could also see the other option where it's like the beginnings of a love triangle where, um, cause we've seen this so many times where there's a guy that like relate or like um, connects with a woman and she is kind of like taken with him. I could see Latika having a crush on him, mm-hmm. but I don't, I, I feel like we're not going to get a ton of red herring relationships. What do you guys mm-hmm. think? I don't think so either. There's also another reading for that scene. Cause I think Mary sees Mary clocks in the library too when they're talking and um, John introduces himself to La- They call her Lata, which I love that nickname. Um, mm-hmm. But she sees that and then the, the one that you mentioned, Reed. And so I'm like, is she, if she does smile a bit, would she be more comfortable with him developing a relationship with somebody else? Because she knows, she was always going to leave, but like she also knows that like the life of a hunter is hard. And it's not clear how long Lata might stick around, even though she wants to hunt. She doesn't have the the alpha mentality um, that like Carlos and Mary have. Like she's in the game, but we don't know how long she's really gonna stick around if she can't get over her fear of these missions. And those two, I mean, they're very sweet. They could be very sweet if given the opportunity. So perhaps she'd be like for him to get into a relationship with somebody else and take, not take the pressure off of her, but like there's something about Mary that feels like she's gonna die in like, like a day. Like she's always got like death hanging on by her side and she knows it. And so she wouldn't want to get involved with anybody. Yeah, And maybe seeing him in a relationship with somebody else would be like the thing that would be like, oh, wait, I liked him. Why did I push him away or something? Mm -hmm. You do see that sometimes that the the more closed off characters then have like a moment later down the line where they regret a decision they made when it came to love in the past. In fact, we see it in Nancy Drew actually at the moment yeah. and we're watching it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> drop that reference. Um, but yeah, I'm conflicted. I do think, I, I love the fact that the pilot episode brought all of this up and it particularly stood out to us because we weren't familiar with that scene beforehand. And I love that it brought all of that up because it, it there are multiple avenues it could go. And I'm glad we don't know which one it's going to go right out of the gate. The interesting thing about a show like this is we do know where the avenue is going to lead. We just don't know how it's going to get there. Um, at one, on one hand, I'm not, I'm like, yeah, John Atlanta could be a nice relationship. But on the other hand, I'm like, history is not on this girl's side. Why put her through this? Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? It's like, it's hard, it's hard to have a fully formed opinion on it right now, but I will say that I do like the idea of any of the potential avenues it could take. I'm just going to be very intrigued to see which one it does because we know how we know the end game here already. 
There are so yeah. many questions and questions I didn't even realize, like where, like where in the timeline is Dean? Is the what mm-hmm. universe is this? We found out <laughs> about the supernatural multiverse, which don't come for us supernatural fans. We just did not know. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a crisis of infinite deans. We are, which I mean, that does, if the solution is that they're part of one of these multiverses, it does leave open the opportunity for John and Mary to get some kind of a happy ending. Because when we started the, um, I feel like everyone who knows what happens to Mary, Andrew this uh, series, you know, wondering where we're gonna end. Like it will be just before um, Dean is born. Will will that be like the last moment of the series Um, or will they flash us forward to what happened? Um, Mm. And so if it's an alternate universe, you don't even have to do any of that. Like you can, (laughs) we can can have a somewhat happy ending. I say somewhat because it's still a supernatural show and therefore happy, happy ending, likely not happening. Like it's not like Mary's gonna pull out of hunting and so is John and then we're gonna live happily ever after in some Kansas suburban town, like, like um, house. Like that's not, that's not happening, but. I mean, if there is a, a multiverse, they can establish it and they could like see the different outcomes or something. I mean, Riverdale mm-hmm. did it. They could definitely do it. <laughs> it would be interesting because it would be really interesting i'm going to use the word interesting because i don't want to have an opinion on this right away but it would be interesting if like um this there were the winchesters of this universe and they and they did get to retire because that that line that line was it that carlo said that really stuck with john was was it the only thing worse than how a hunter starts is how a hunter ends and obviously it suggests that even for the, the great sam and dean there were dark days ahead and so of course we already know there are dark days ahead for the great john and mary but it would be really if they decided to go the alternate universe route it would be really cool if in this universe they were the legendary winchesters they got to retire they got to buck the trend and then raise sam and dean as a happy family with no hunting probably won't happen because it's a supernatural show but i feel like if it went to supernatural right and it was willing to take all the risks of jumping through universes and telling a different story why not go the whole way and end differently it's like for example we thought gotham when it started was going to be a very straightforward batman story and then around season two the, the writers just said you know what let's just throw anything at the wall and see what sticks and, and now it's not considered canon in the slightest was there a multiverse I don't think so. That's one of the things. That's one of the things they actually steered Claire from. I wonder if it's because the Arrowverse shows were doing at the time, but it's it's considered somewhere out there in the DC multiverse. It's just not the main universe because the timeline's all over the place. You had like ten Batman villains surface before Batman was even a thing, even though it's supposed to be Batman's creation that leads to these villains. So it would just if they were willing to do that, who knows? Maybe some point down the line, the Winchesters could go. It's not be bogged down by canon and tell her own story it's a fine line a lot of shows for example get it wrong when they decide to do that but at the same time it can also it can loosen the shackles and then add a bit more creative freedom so it would be really cool if the winchesters did decide to do that and i think i'm happy with it sticking with canon for now but if they decided to step away from canon simply only to give these characters a happy ending knowing how on board we are with the ship right from the off i would absolutely sign up for that That'd be interesting because it's going to be dark anyway. Um, what were you going to say, Lee? I was going to say we've been promised some answers in this yes. first season by the showrunner. So, I mean, we're going to find out where we are 
who we are, <laughs> when we are. <laughs> As you know, they grow closer, and I told you this already. I need one of them to go feral, like completely losing it, <laughs> like, <laughs> like because of something that happens, whether it's a kidnapping, a demon possession. Like I want full on, like this swing and have to be dragged away, like sort of feral behavior. Like just, I love when <clears throat> ships do that, and so I need it. <laughs> like, oh yeah, oh yeah, it has to happen at some point. <laughs> we hopefully happen. have seasons of this. It has to happen. So great pilot, great pilot mm-hmm. episode. I can't wait for episode two. Um, I really like this. I'm just gonna call them Scooby Gang. I really like this Scooby Gang. Um, I love Lata. I love that she's sort of the the one who still has a lot to learn, while Carlos is irreverent and. Um, knows exactly what he wants to be doing. Not necessarily someone you can count on as far as arriving on time, but he will save you. <laughs> in excellent, uh, in an excellent fashion and in a memorable one as well. Yes, that peel out for the van where he just pops <laughs> out and takes care of that demon. He's excellent. I love him. Um, and that he has like a, I like a crush on Mary, but he's also scared of her. Like mm-hmm. that's a funny dynamic. I know she loves it. That's where she likes them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Ada's going to be interesting because she has mm. the most answers compared yeah, to everybody the else. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward. We've I'm looking forward to seeing how she plays into the show because she was very much the character that needed saved from the beginning. So they could have just moved on from that character afterwards if they if they wanted to. But now you see that she has so much knowledge that could help both John and Mary perhaps uh, connect with their parents um, whether that means in real life or just like by addressing the past and I think she also strikes me like she could potentially be like a Giles character from Buffet someone with all of this knowledge that they just go to I, I, I feel like because of her antique store because of her her reading up her knowledge already the fact that yeah. John and Mary's which one was it? One of their fathers went to her for advice and she helped them figure out the first demon or whatever. And she knew about the Akrita as well, which is our big bad that we know nothing about yet. I feel like she could very much play a Giles role. And the fact that we didn't get to see that in the first episode makes me excited for however she will play it in the episodes ahead. Very much so. This is a, it's a, it's good to come off of a first episode of a brand new series and have so many questions and also be secure in the notion that they will be answered. Um, mm-hmm. So there's really, there's so much they can do in this 13 episode season, 13 episode season. Um, and so I cannot wait to find out more, especially because uh, based on the first look images and the um, trailer, we're hippies for some reason on what well, looks oh, like a so commune. Excited. I'm so excited. So <laughs> excited. <laughs> We're in for an adventure and I don't just mean episode two. Yes, we are. Which speaking of adventures, um, professionals, it was something. An adventure happened. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of fun watching that, but not necessarily while watching it. We did. Okay. Um, I will be positive. It was entertaining. Mm-hmm. I can see why people would enjoy spending an hour watching that show. Brendan Fraser and Tom Welling were great. For me personally, not my kind of show. So I wouldn't continue watching it. But, you know, 
it seems like it's going to be a fun 10 episodes for fans. Um, mm-hmm. Not particularly CW-esque, but you know, mm-hmm. trial and error in the, the acquired experiment. <laughs> yeah, I... I love Brendan Fraser in it. He was giving it his all um, in those scenes. He, he was giving us drama. He was giving us humor. He was even giving us action, even though his character is not the best at that. So it even got like, it was a comedic action too. I like seeing Tom um, running around and being gruff. Uh, but it was really, I said this to you guys, the whole rocket sequence and the fact that the, one of the main um, characters is a genius. I was like, okay, but I wanted Tom Swift to get a season two and now I'm yeah. watching a rocket blast up into the <laughs> air and I'm like, okay, but Tom's rocket wouldn't have blown up. <laughs> I know it reminded us of what we lost. <laughs> In the same time slot as well, wasn't it? Oh, yes. like a dagger to the heart. <laughs> oh. uh, I, I know I, I don't hold any ill will towards professionals for that because it was made no. first, but no, I absolutely know. hold ill will to the CW for doing that. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot, I have to say it was a lot of fun. I remember the last time I felt like this was about family law and that it's a, sh- it's a show that you respect that it's got its place on the network, but you may not tune into it weekly. I think I said about family law, it would be a wonderful Sunday afternoon binge. This to me strikes me as something I would turn on on a Saturday night and just lose myself in like a 10 part move. Um, yeah. What were you going to say, Reid? It's like a, yeah, it's like a campy early 2000s action movie that mm-hmm. you watch mm-hmm. on like a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's like, if you split a good, enjoyable Arnold Schwarzenegger 90s action flick into 10 parts and uh, turned it into a TV series with two action heroes instead of one, it's kind of exactly what this is like. It's got the one-liners. They don't sound quite as fun as get to the chapel, but they're memorable <laughs> nonetheless. Um, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And I, I agree with what Sabrina is saying. Brenton Fraser is a sensational actor. I am so happy to see him having this incredible comeback via Doom Patrol, The Whale. Should have been Batgirl, but we'll not talk about that. And just getting to see him have an absolute blast in this show made me enjoy the pilot so much more. He just... It's so much fun watching him just be like, what the heck is going on? And I feel like that carried us through. And it's just like, again, seeing Tom Welling on the CW, and you, you, you'll hear us talk about that a lot going forward now at the Winchesters. Yeah, just seeing, him. Just seeing him just made me more excited for the Winchesters. I was yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I mean, have fun here, Tom, but I'll catch up with you on the Winchesters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all in all, it's a, um, if you were looking for an action drama on the CW that is not like genre based, it's not, fantasy it's not magical you know it's not superheroes then this would be a show that you could just flick on um and watch some nonsense because i mean it is it's like it leans into how ridiculous it is mm-hmm. like it knows it's ridiculous and like we have like these these moments the scene transitions where like you're seeing maps and you're seeing like um oh what is what's the word i'm looking for the coordinates Thank you. You're seeing coordinates. Like we're we're having like dramatic standoffs. They're mm-hmm. terrible, terrible accents. Um, <laughs> and, um, and like we're we're rattling off information that like each of them don't know because they all have different skills. And so it is. It's funny. It's like a funny action drama that you can just turn on and lose yourself. Like Michael said, I I too will not be continuing. But I could see why people will continue, even if it's just to see Tom Welling and Brendan Fraser 
act off one another, which they have great mm-hmm. um, chemistry. Uh, and their two characters, like, just not despise one another, but they do not get along. Oh, yeah. Uh, They've definitely so, got a we would never be friends kind of vibe about them. They do. And a, a need to prove themselves to mm-hmm. one another on different aspects. And that's always a good time. So if that's something that you would enjoy, Professionals comes on on Tuesdays at nine after the Winchesters. It's so much fun, y'all. Senseless fun, but fun nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I do have to retract one statement. I said Tom's rocket would not blow up. That's literally what happens in the Peter episode. It comes with. <laughs> so it would, but I, I enjoyed Tom's with more. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of enjoyment, Stargirl. Ah, uh, you guys, I've got to get my notes. I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I'm stressed. Oh, why? What why did you Cindy stressed? do this week? Oh, when oh, you no. hear this? What's you Cindy up to? This mess. <laughs> Um, so I have to say, without question, this has been the most tense episode of the season so far. Not surprising. I said episode six is always a huge episode. This was a huge episode. Um, we uh, it, we had that great fight scene, but it built towards it. And my goodness, did it make you wait for it? Um, so yes, last week, uh, Yolanda found the laptop under Cindy's bed. Um, and then she brought it to the JSA and it was like, I was right all along. And the rest of the JSA bar court and I all deduced like, well, she obviously killed the gambler because she has his laptop. So like she's been lying to us all along. So we need to deal with this. So, but before the dead, Beth, Dr. Midnight Toe, she is a whiz at computers. She knows everything about technology. So she helped you with the help of the goggles, download it, uh, all the files off the gambler's laptop onto her own laptop before they could quietly sneak it back under Cindy's bed. Because if she knew they'd stolen it, she would know uh, she was in trouble and then try to make a run for it. So Starman suggested they do that. And he said, you can't tell Cindy because again, she'll make a run for it. I have to say Starman, not a single drop of anger in sight. He had his head screwed on. He was finally the revered hero that we've been talking about for three seasons. And he was surprisingly the voice of reason. I really liked Starman in this episode. Um, but again, it is, it's, it's all about Cindy, but a little bit about Courtney as well, because Cindy's not the only one lying. Courtney is obviously still training Cameron to use his harness as ice powers. They had an incredible moment in Cameron's mansion garden and uh, where she told him to focus on his love instead of his anger because his anger was making his ice powers unpredictable. So he focused on love and he produced a beautiful giant ice sculpture and they almost had a moment. And then he was like, the ice sculptures of my father and it totally killed the moment. Obviously, Courtney knows what happened to his father. Um, Trisha was like, yeah, his love channeled the ice statue of their biggest villain ever. Um, But when they went inside, they found out that Courtney's stepdad and her mother, Pat and Barbara, figured out that she was seeing Cameron. So they decided to pay Cameron's grandparents a visit, the creepy grandparents who are villains, and they speak in different language. Um, and they have ice powers too. And they know all about the JSA. Cameron doesn't yet. Um, so the, the grandfather, he is the more logical of the two. He gave Pat and uh, Barbara a meal or some dessert. And... Uh, the, what the wife said to him in different language, did you poison it? And he was like, no. And she goes, in the world, then why did you give it to them? The, the grandmother is off the wall. Um, but and long story short, they wanted to talk about their kids seeing each other and just make sure everything was okay. But of course, of course Courtney was mortified by that. And she suggested they leave. Um, and she, But she did not tell Pat and Barbara that Cameron has ice powers. 
And um, then, of course, as they left the house, it was a big mistake because the grandmother is sitting watching them looking all evil from the window. Um, so that's obviously put them on their, her, their radar. But uh, Courtney is still has not opened up the JSA. She continues to uh, see Cameron on the side and help him with his powers and hasn't told the JSA any of this other than the fact that she's spending some time with him. So, of course, that's created a lot of tension between Courtney and Yolanda, who are best friends. Rick, who's our man, he's off doing his own thing because last season the hourglass broke. And so, the, and just for a context read, in case you didn't know, our man, uh, basically his power is that he puts on a magical hourglass and he's like super strength for an hour a day. So he has to choose when he puts the hourglass on. But the hourglass was broke last season in the fight against Eclipso and it's been patchy and not working properly. Sometimes it gives him 22 minutes of strength. Sometimes it gives him 49. Sometimes it gives him six minutes. And after a conversation with Starman last week, he figured out the issue was the limiter. So, which is a terrible idea because he decided to solve that problem by removing the limiter altogether. Now, when he puts the hourglass on, he has super strength all day, every day, which I think if we're going by the comics, Rick does end up having like an addiction problem to the hourglass. He, he doesn't know when to take it off. It's It, it, it uh, powers him up too much. He can't, he can't go without it. I don't know if we're going there, but there is another secret. Rick has been, had been very quiet this season. So there is another secret that he is, uh, that he is now hiding. Um, meanwhile, Yolanda went to confession and said she apologized. She wanted to apologize and wanted forgiveness. And the, the priest said, you're forgiven for stealing, but you can't steal. You should never steal, even if it, you did it for the right reasons. And she was like, no, father, you misunderstand me. I'm not asking for forgiveness for what I've done. I'm asking forgiveness for what I'm about to do. And of course, that was a beautiful uh, foreshadowing of the episode because Yolanda ends up leaving the laptop back under Cindy's bed, only to be caught by Cindy herself. <sighs> Um, and she was like, I knew you took it the first time you scratched the window on the way in. So Cindy knew the whole time. Um, and then she was like, Yolanda, let's talk about this. I didn't kill the gambler. I took the laptop for my own reasons. But Yolanda did not want to talk. They had an incredible fight scene in Cindy's bedroom. They destroyed that room. The bed was scratched. Cindy lost some of her hair because of Yolanda's claws. Michael, did someone die? Get, get to it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, uh, then anyway, at the end, literally Yolanda pushed Cindy at the window um, and then the two of them ended up fighting on her lawn. And uh, Rick then showed up to help support Yolanda because he's anger problems and he totally supports Yolanda and totally believes Cindy was the one who killed the gambler. So the two of them tend to double team in Yolanda or Cindy and in the fight, Cindy holds her own, I have to say, but in the fight, Cindy's um, cardigan gets torn and they see the lizard arm underneath. Oh. And again, they continue to batter each other until they hear something in the sky. They look up Courtney. and right flying down in between them uh, comes Courtney with the staff. The she lands, she lands yes. in between them in the triangle <laughs> and sends them all flying. Um, because she's a developed new power this season. Uh, thanks to Starman's training her, she knows how to use the staff and connect with it more. So her eyes literally glow when she uses it. And so she dropped in and sent them all flying, split them up. And uh, Cindy or Yolanda told them that Cindy had the laptop and that she'd been lying the whole time. But Courtney actually showed compassion to Cindy like she does. And she asked, um, 
why couldn't you have just told us about that? Chris Courtney figured out, now, wait a minute, it was never Dragon King. The skin cell we found at the crime scene was yours. It wasn't Dragon King. So she's been leading them on a wild goose chase the whole time. But Courtney had compassion and she was like, if you had just been honest with us, we could have helped you. Cindy didn't like that. Cindy said, honest, like you've been honest <laughs> with your team. Um, and then she turned around and told Yolanda and Eric that uh, Courtney has been training Cameron how to use his ice powers. And I believe in the words of Cindy, she was she said, she's been training that little psycho how to use his ice powers. And when he finds out what you did to his father, he's going to come for you. And I hope he wins. And then uh, Cindy stormed off, teary-eyed, um, with a dramatic storm off. The JSA has fallen apart because nobody trusts Courtney anymore. So she has to... Um, she has agreed to step back and let Starman lead the JSA. And I have to say, credit, credit, credit to Brack Bassinger and Joel McHale, because the two of them had this beautiful scene in uh, Courtney's bedroom where he finally was the mentor to her that he hasn't been all season. He said, look, you made mistakes. I made mistakes when I was younger. Um, I trust your judgment and the team will figure it out eventually. But in the meantime, he's going to lead them. But the big twist of the episode, remember how somebody's been watching everyone in Blue Valley the whole time. There's been cameras planted all over. The gambler discovered the feed on his laptop right before he was killed. Well, when Beth downloaded all of the gambler's stuff onto her laptop, she found the feed as well. The unidentified feed, as it's called. That's how she knew that... uh, Cindy and Yolanda and Rick were fighting on her lawn because there are cameras all over Blue Valley and she could find out. So she was able to send Courtney there. But then she she came to Courtney, she came to Pat and she said she, tur- she turned the fruit blender on in a really awkward scene. They were like, Beth, what's wrong with you? And she was like, everything's fine. And they turned the fruit blender on so it was making noise in the background and then whispered to them really quietly about how somebody's watching them. And they all kind of looked up into the corner because they knew the camera was up there. And all throughout the whole, uh, uh, the last couple of episodes, we've seen a glimpse of that person who's been watching them. But in this episode, they've been putting a wee jigsaw together just in their spare time. And on the final scene of the episode, we got to say the jigsaw was the shape of a skeleton or a, a skull. And I think from my knowledge, from what I can call back, is it's suggesting that the person responsible for the murder is actually this, the assailant known as Mr. Bones, who was teased in the season two finale. We saw him. He is a person wearing a suit or a jacket. I can't really remember. with literally a skull for a face. Um, and he said, oh, Blue Valley sounds like a lovely little place. I think I'll have to pay a visit there. Haven't heard head nor tail of him since, but it looks like Mr. Bones has arrived in Blue Valley. Well, well, well. <laughs> I, my mouth is so dry after that monologue. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they really packed a lot into that one, huh? They, they did. They really did. And there were some humorous moments. Like, remember Mike and Jakeem are trying to get Cindy to join their team. Last week, they were like, a woman like you needs to be appreciated. Mm-hmm. This week, they showed up to Cindy's house with flowers and chocolates that were like an offering for the good lady. And she went, and Cindy's <laughs> like, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> she, the best moment of the episode. She was like, oh. No, <laughs> Shut the door um, but I think now based on Cindy has no one now. She literally betrayed Courtney. That's what the episode's called, the betrayal. She told Courtney or she told the JSA what Courtney was up to. The JSA no longer trust her. Um, and Courtney was like that, like I said before, that paragon of integrity. Everybody's got their secrets, but Courtney doesn't. Everybody trusts Courtney, but she was keeping one secret and Cindy revealed the whole truth to the JSA. So none of them trust her anymore, but that's less. How old Cindy. is Cindy supposed to be? 
teenager, 16, okay. 17, I think. Okay. Um, they, they all go to school, high school together. Um, but of course, Mike has just recently uh, got started going to the same high school. He's far younger. Um, uh, so it's going to look like Cindy has, she has betrayed the last person she could betray. There is no one left for Cindy. So shockingly enough, I do think she is going to join up with the young ones, uh, Mike and Jakeem, and they're all star squadron because they're the only people she has left that we're rooting for her now. So um, yeah, this episode, not to be any more recappy, let's be a bit more review This episode definitely changed this, the game. I, as far as the screeners I've been sent, this is as far as I've seen. I can see why now, because it's completely all the, the chess pieces that were in play. It's just, it's cleared the board. All the stories it was telling, it's pressed the reset button. I know for a fact there are three or four more stories this season is supposed to have told, and we haven't seen any of them yet. So I assume this is now where they're going to start coming in. We now have the first official tease of Mr. Bones. And even though Mr. Bones is the assailant watching them, he's not the big hulking creature that killed the gambler and uh, assaulted Starman a few weeks ago. There is definitely someone else who is doing his bidding. We don't know who that is. I know there are some characters from the previous seasons are going to return in the episode The Head. Again, that hasn't happened yet. But what have I written down here? The pacing was great. The, like I said, the performances between uh, Breck and Joel was just phenomenal, particularly in that scene. And I really just like the fact that this everything we knew going into the season has just been wiped clean. I have no idea where the story is going to go next. And I think for a midpoint, midway through the season, I feel like I've watched the whole season because I've seen every one of these six episodes about four times each. I'm excited about the idea of where it could go next. How many episodes are left? There are seven left. And um, so technically we've still most of the season left. Yeah. It's just for so long, I binged them. I shouldn't have, but for so long, <laughs> I binged those, I binged those first six episodes weeks ago. So for, for so long, I feel like I've seen season three. And now I don't know where season three will go after this. I'm very excited. Just, it just feels like it's entered uncharted territory and like, it's all Cindy's fault, but I know Cindy didn't do it. She's just acting out because everybody wants her to act out. Everybody it's like they've set such low expectations for her so she can do nothing but live up to them. Um, and you, you can't help but root for her. You want her to succeed. But like we said last week, she's making it so difficult and she's just burnt the last bridge in court now. Is the Cindy redemption art coming in the back half of the season? It has to. It has to. <laughs> I feel like I think maybe working with Mike's exactly what's going to do that because she kidnapped Mike last season. So I feel like there's another thing for her to make up for. If she ends up working with him and Jakeem, if she ends up working with two young people, maybe she could become an influence on them. I don't know. But things are, things have never been more interesting and I can't wait to see where the season goes because that was definitely arguably the best episode of the season. Tense, tense, tense. And I was on the edge of my seat all four times I watched it. <laughs> Courtney will forgive um, Cindy. It'll yeah. happen. Uh, if I had to make a prediction, Kim might not, at least not until season four, because we're manifesting a season four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see how that arc plays out. That's been the most mysterious. We didn't know whether that would get explored because Cameron's just been in the background for the whole series. And now we're finally doing it. We knew it was coming, but now we're finally doing it. I don't know how that's going to play into the murder mystery because it's so much its own thing, whereas everything else in the season's directly tied to it whereas this is very much its own thing i can't wait to see how it comes into play and if they can stop 
this poor kid who's been through so much tragedy in his life and yet has found something positive in court now and it's going to be tainted when he finds out the truth. I don't know if they can stop him from becoming Icicle Jr. Is, is, is a dark turn destined to happen when, when the only source of life in his life, light in his life is lying to him? We'll have to wait and say. Well, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's really, it's, it's going to be hard. I, I'm um, more see, power to all the Camney shippers out there. When oh, yeah, yeah they, they've been through it and I think they're going to keep going through it. But you see why I went through it with this episode. Look at my notes. <laughs> it's so endless. <laughs> uh, I think I got through it all. Relax and breathe. <laughs> It sounded very tense. And you're right, like the best episode that they've done so far this season. I love hearing your recaps and reviews because they have you so engaged. I'm like, what happened next? <laughs> you retell it. Nobody died yet, but I can't promise it will stay that way throughout the rest of the season. Mm. Oh, my heart just dropped. Okay, everyone make it out alive, please. Um, but uh, someone did not make it out alive in Walker Independence. Oh my, they sure didn't. Speaking of 10th episodes, I, was just I <laughs> loved this episode so much. I, there were so many reviews of the pilot that were like, how are they going to make this story of a revenge last as a series? And I'm like, have we forgotten what television is like, folks? Have we forgotten yes. that there's larger stories? Like this revenge story is just like an entry. And as we saw, like she thinks she's like, putting every all these or abby thinks she's putting all the pieces together so she's going to get her quick revenge in and out and it doesn't go her way that's obviously what we're gonna it's like we're gonna keep getting twists and turns but nothing in this episode was anything like i was expecting to happen and i loved every second of it Mm -hmm. it was so good every last moment you're right abby does think she she's so smart she really is so smart and so she really thinks she's like laying the groundwork for the traps that she's trying to set but the thing that she seemed to be missing is that everybody else has their own story going on. And so like you're one piece in this whole cog and there are, there's a lot happening in independence that she is not privy to a, a lot. I didn't even know it was a, um, <laughs> uh, is a town in the middle of it's in the way of a railroad they're building. Mm-hmm. And that is why um, Kate is there. And I was like, Oh, that makes, that explains why Tom is here. <laughs> his family is steel and they're ranchers two Mm -hmm. things that he has to keep in in mind i just i love everyone in this in the show including tom i love how dastardly he is yeah everyone has a purpose and like i said last week like every two characters whether it's tension or they have some sort of um relationship where you put any two characters in a room and there's something interesting that's going to happen mm-hmm. and that's definitely what happened when abby had dinner with the man who killed her husband yes <laughs> what an unexpected dynamic um no i agree I, I i remember we said last week that tom was so interesting in like all of the two scenes he was in and then they did a complete pivot and basically had him like co-lead this episode there were there, you couldn't have gone three or four scenes without him popping up in at least one and they've i feel like they've pulled the threads on a lot of the stories very early and yet it's not in the way of what if they run out of thread where's the story gonna go it, it really felt like I think the thing that surprised me the most is, you know, the way it always feels like there's been a bit of passing of time when the second adventure comes around or when the second episode comes around. The, the second episode picked right up after the pilot, and yet it was such a different episode from the one that came before. Yeah, it was the same day, right? Yeah, because they had that scene where they, oh, yeah. they were all still there at the gravesite, at Liam's gravesite. Um, 
And then Hoyt was like, why did we come back here again? And then they talked about the robbery being yesterday. They did an awful lot of work through dialogue to remind us that we're picking up right where we left off. And I'm glad they did because this episode, it, it felt like it was an exercise in getting us to know all of the characters better. And I, I like what you said, how it feels like that Abby's kind of just like stumbled into this world. And I think this, this episode really highlighted that because of course this episode one was very much through her eyes as it should be. She was the new character in town. And when episode two was as well, you kind of just got these half conversations from all the other characters around her that it just felt like you were picking up, even though you never seen part one of those conversations, all these dynamics were established, like the way Hoyt knew Kai and that uh, Lucia knew that Kai had a thing for Kate. And it, I really, there was so much in so little amount of time. And again, we barely scratched the surface here as far as all of these dynamics go. But I think that was one of my favorite parts about the episode is that you got to sit with them a little bit more than you did in the one before. It made me so excited. It was like, it kind of made me emotional too, in a weird way, um, because I feel like I haven't been this excited for over a new show since I was like a teenager. So like to be like put into like, obviously I have a lot of favorite shows and I've liked a lot of shows over the past few years, but like Mm -hmm. this show just feels so different than anything I've seen past few years. It's like, it feels like CW. It feels exciting. It feels like we're going to be on this ride I don't know it made me feel like emotional and like just so excited and like I couldn't contain myself watching it like I had to I was like laying down and I had to sit up and like look at my laptop because I was like what <laughs> <laughs> like I can't calm down um but oh my gosh um I think after seeing episode two I'm ready to name a favorite character and that is Kate oh Ooh, nice. love that I didn't yeah see coming which i'm gonna have to talk to you guys off pod about something pencil p- pin that for later remind mm-hmm. me to circle back um, <laughs> um but i loved the scene this is way i'm uh getting ahead of us but the scene in hagen's the bar when they're like putting their plan in motion which i forgot that it was a plan because hoyt and callian start fighting and i was like oh mm-hmm. no and i was like oh it's abby's scheme um, but the way that Kate stood up for everybody in that room mm-hmm. and the way that she's making sure the girls get paid, I was just like, this girl's running the town. And I know she's like the de facto mayor of the town or like that's which, how she thinks of herself. But oh, I just love what her character brings to this town. Oh, I just love her so much. She I love takes that. care of everybody. Mm. Like she makes a point of taking care of everybody. Like even when she paid the girls, she also made sure that Hagen was going to pay them again. He doesn't even know they've already been paid by her, which is um, good for her. They need extra money. It's hard out here. Yeah, I love that for her because it, I, the interesting thing with how she was handled in episode one is she was very much portrayed as the eyes and ears of the town, and you were like, "But why though?" Yeah, she's getting course, everybody's tea. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this episode, she was paired with not new people, aka Abby. She she was she wasn't with Abby that much. So you got to see her. Why she was the eyes and ears of the town. Why everybody kind of turned to her, and why she knew everything. And of course, we now know it's portrayed very much quietly, like pushing it under the rug that she has an alternate agenda, and that's her main reason for being in town. But she's not going to waste her opportunity in town to make a difference. And I love that about her. Again, she wasn't in the episode that much, but that very much came across. Like she asked for the money for bribing people like special agents do and then just gave it to the girls because they didn't get paid. 
love that for her. It's just such such a great character. I love how cool and calm she stays, even when she and the other spy, I don't know what his name was. When they like his name. Okay, cool. Uh, when they put like they start connecting dots, like they're already like it feels like they're on the same page as mm-hmm. as Abby. Like even though Kate asked Abby, like, "Did you know the man who was her husband?" Which that scene was brutal. Mm. Um, yeah. When Tom rode Liam in town, oh, brutal. Um, and Abby's clearly she's going through it emotionally. And Kate's like, "Do you know the man?" And Kate's and Abby's like. <laughs> No, <laughs> I think I think I think Kate got your number, but she's gonna she's gonna like tuck it away and be respectful and wait for Abby to open up. I think, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's really interesting is because there's such a like central mystery here. Not not to us, not to Abby, not to the people who already know what's going on with the sheriff. Like I said last week, this show is not who killed my husband it's how do I stop the man who killed my husband but the interesting thing is there's so many people who don't know this and yet they're all starting to figure it out quite quickly I love that I don't know how it's going to pan out it makes it more tense because you're not just waiting for them the penny to drop for everyone and where they're all going to have that like omg could he really no it wasn't him kind of moment they're all really starting to suspect something is off with the sheriff right out of the gate and he's being very clever and trying to cover his tracks because he didn't the first time around but I think it's raised the stakes, something serious. The second episode really went to extreme lengths to raise stakes that were already high. And they have interesting discussions in the episode too. There's a through line about like what it means to follow the law and mm-hmm. due process. Um, and it was interesting that she was the one that started the conversation because you would think she'd be a little frontier justice. Um, but she, like, if we're talking about Griffin, the man who she doesn't, isn't aware of, but was working for the Davidson family, getting a fair trial, like, does that mean you want Tom to get a fair trial once you can prove that he was the man who killed your husband? Um, and, but the fact that, like, I wasn't, it wasn't clear to me whether or not um, when Callian goes to talk to Augustus, whether they got to finish their conversation before Griffin went charging out on a horse, but the fact that it's Augustus who shoots mm-hmm. him. Um, and not um, Tom, and it's with Liam's gun, uh, was a lot for me. He's supposed to be, he's like the law of independence, or should be, had he not been overlooked. He's been there for two years. Tom doesn't know anything about the town, but he was put in the position. And there was an undercurrent, like, it's clear that was for racist reasons. And like Mm -hmm. that Augustus is swallowing that even though he's been here the longest and Callian knows it and those two are talking, which by the way, still got vibes. I'm still down for these two. Um, but I like that they apparently have more history than I see you going in and out of town. Like they've been on missions together. Like they mm-hmm. have a, a rapport where Callian doesn't let Abby and Hoyt get their suspicions of him going too far because he knows that Augustus is a good man and he just needs to talk to him. Yeah. But I do wonder because Augustus holds so much like to his chest without talking about it mm-hmm. where that's going to land him. Like he's a good man, but like what exactly is he going to do for the sake of order? Yeah. He's very loyal. Mm-hmm. Whether it's to his job or I guess maybe blindly to Tom, just because he's the sheriff to the town. I think it'll be harder to get through to him from the, so, so. Uh, the Abby's Alliance, Abby's angels. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he was that kind of like 
mysterious character last week you said you couldn't really pin him down I we knew he was a good person but he looked at people like he knew more and it's because he does know more he knows everything so well that you really got to know that in this episode he understands things he understands the town he understands the characters but there's a conflict there now and yes it's over the fact he was passed over but I think that's starting to turn into doubt of the actual sheriff and again I love that they brought that up so quickly it really it, it adds extra stakes to it but more than that it makes Augustus stand out as a character more and I think this will be a pivotal moment for him now that he did do that he was the one that shot the gun he might not be as cheery as he was in the first episode going forward I feel like he'll carry that with him for a while yeah backtracking a little bit Sabrina mentioned vibes and just to get a little levity going on. I caught vibes between they, I feel like they laid some like groundwork just to like test the waters. There was definitely a moment with Abby and Hoyt. Can't remember it now, um, mm-hmm. but there was a moment mm-hmm. and there was one with her and Callian when he's looking at her wound. And I was like, uh, yeah, what was yeah. the little, the little <laughs> the look, look there? And then there was a shot when um, me and my cinematography, <laughs> <laughs> There is a shot. I don't, again, I don't know what part of that. I think it's later on in the episode where they're like, the three of them are talking about their plan and it pulls back and it's Hoyt, Abby between them and then Callian. They're facing each other and she's in the middle. And I was like, that feels symbolic. Mm-hmm. It was intentional. Not sure if it's setting up like a triangle or just like the dynamic between them is like Hoyt and Callian are always going to have conflict and Abby's going to be in the center of it. But I definitely, I was picking up you know, I was picking up the breadcrumbs and I was trying to follow it. <laughs> I think it's a triangle. Uh, the scene mm-hmm. I believe you're talking about is after Abby comes down um, in Higgins and she sees Hoyt at the bar mm-hmm. and he ta- he gives her this, it's so like, not necessarily moving, but I was like, oh, I feel bad for Hoyt. But he was talking about what it is to grift mm-hmm. and that he's grifted so long that he doesn't even really know who he is anymore. But she's so sure of who she is. And so he tells her she's going to be fine at the dinner um, mm-hmm. with with Tom. And I was like, oh, I really like you too. Like, I like you too a lot. You can tell that Hoyt is sort of a, he's a character whose heart is in the right place, even if like he's a low down, dirty scoundrel. <laughs> and he, um, he's often stealing things from people. He cares about people who are in his life. Uh, and there is a vibe between Abby and Callian and he's picking up on it and he doesn't quite like it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know if that's because he hasn't picked up on the fact that there's a, he likes Abby more than he probably should, considering he is supposedly in love with Lucia. But it's there, and it's going to be interesting to see how that works. I think it's one of the reasons why he doesn't quite like Callian. But I also just think that they brush up um, against one another because Callian clearly is judgy about mm-hmm. Wade. But Callian would be because he knows that you're a criminal in um he, he's not wrong let's just yeah it. like yeah. it's deserved toy just deal with it yes <laughs> even though even if these relationships don't turn romantic like i wouldn't mind like there's so much else going on that romance isn't really at the forefront at, at mm-hmm. least two episodes in i'm not like yearning for romance because there's so much else to to connect with um but even like if that's not the trajectory of either relationship i like the groundwork they're placing like the connections abby's making like it's it's clearly very deep. Like they've gotten in together so quickly, so closely. Like they know all of her secrets. They know her truth. Um, and she trusts them. And yet, like I said, even if it's not 
turning into something else and it's just like a platonic because even there were scenes where it was like abby and her two sons like she was trying to wrangle them <laughs> up together <laughs> and it was really funny <laughs> yeah and it feels like now that they, they, they ended the episode with their base of operations and they brought kai into the mix because kai knew how um it, the dynamics in this episode were just wonderful like you had like kai and Ho- kai and Hoyt who knew each other kai and lucia had that wonderful moment where he where he like made her the dress um Callie and Augustus, of course yeah incredible incredible kai he's always like yeah. you hungry have you eaten today <laughs> yes. you need a new dress <laughs> salt of the earth um but yeah i feel like this this episode went really far to establish all of the dynamics and i did pick up that scene that abby had with Callian and that scene she had with Hoyt. both of them were amazing and it does feel like they might be heading in the love triangle direction like like that cinematography we talked about that's a vampire Diaries poster right there the girl in the middle and the boys on each side and speaking of vibes not to interrupt you but there's one more layer like the weird twisted vibes between Abby and Tom. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to put it out into the universe by (laughs) any means, but like, I, like, as soon as I saw them having one-on-one scenes, I was like, Oh, I can see this Buffy and spike. I can see this like complicated Alliance. Now he wants her to work with him. Like she's getting in so deep with the man that killed her husband. And I know those lines are going to blur. I just don't know how, I mean, I don't want it to get, it would be really weird, <laughs> but like the, the groundwork is being laid as this world getting even bigger and wider and more complicated. And I think that's what blew me away the most about this episode is that like any review that was like, Oh, this show, how are they going to outlast it? And then they came in with episode two, like, here's the material. We can, we can do this for six seasons. Just you watch. <laughs> it was unsettling her connection with Tom and um, because they do have chemistry. They have a good back and forth. They do. And he's so, he's aware something's not quite right with her. Yep. And, uh, and so, and they're like circling each other in this very dangerous game. I think my favorite moment besides when he comes up behind her while she's talking law and she has to flirt with him in order to get like, she's like, I can take you up on that date offer. I like that dinner <laughs> offer. Um, is at the their last scene together, which I think is the last scene of the episode when she's playing that song mm-hmm. and he's in the shadow with the hat tipped down and she didn't see him. And I was like, oh girl, I want you to run. <laughs> <laughs> Undertaker vibes, just the silhouette with the hat, I am telling you. <laughs> I know, but then he just strolls over to her and he knows what he's doing because he gives her the law book and asks her to work in his office. And I was like, this is... I am uncomfortable, but also I see how you two could work because he did say that he was looking to find a wife and start a family. But also, if you do know that that's Liam Collins' wife, how dare you? Right. (laughs) It's it's messed up. But I actually have credit to Kat because she was, they used the camera on her so well to portray Mm -hmm. like what Abby's really feeling versus what she's putting out into the world. And Kat, knows this character so well she's Mm -hmm. really game and really feeling everything and the oh my god just the depth of what she's portraying like what women have to go through like abby's being forced to 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 confront to talk to this man with false pretenses just to find some sort of justice for what happened in her life and it's like oh you don't want to watch abby have to go through this but the way that cat is bringing so much truth to how strong this woman is took my breath away in so many scenes 
Mm-hmm. I know. And they have a, um, I guess the remake element has, has entered the plot that they kept, the cast kept talking about because these characters are very aware of their place in society and America at large in a way that you don't often see in um, period pieces that are on network TV because there's a lovely conversation where Callian says, you have to be the one to walk out into this world. Like we can't do it. Um, and then they use that to their advantage um, with their scheme that like Hoy can do whatever he wants. Like regardless of the fact that everyone is sort of aware that this man is not to be trusted, he's a white man walking in the world. And um, Abby can't do certain things because she's a woman. And Kelly can't do some things because he's Apache. And so they use that uh, conflict in our society against other people in order to get what they want. I thought that was brilliant. I was like, mm-hmm. yes, because of course people of this time would be aware of how they walk in the world. How would you not be aware of how you walk in the world? But sometimes shows don't show that. Mm. I think the writing in the show is very, very clever. And I that makes me intrigued, but also excited to see how they use it in the episodes going forward. Because all of that that you mentioned played into the dynamics, but it also played a great deal of importance into the story. And I think that highlights the quality of the writing. For sure. I can't, I don't think we can gush more about Walker Independence. I'm sure episode three will drop. Yeah, next week we will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and we'll just be gushing even more, especially because um, to go back to something I said earlier in the pod, I think the mental health thing is going to start Mm. with is going to be Augustus, the trauma from having shot someone. Um, And I think because that would have broken his code. Like he, mm. he, like Abby believes in due process, but that man was escaping. But like, I don't know how he's going to contend with how he thinks things should be done versus how he did them in a, in a moment after learning some news he didn't like. Mm-hmm. Guys, I love this show. What a journey. Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> and it's just getting started. <laughs> it is, because we were like, oh, we don't know how it's going to go down like, before we got to see any footage. And now we're like, oh my God, we love it. We're on the ship. I mean, we're, we love it for us. Yeah. Riding its coattails. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but um, moving on to the last show, which, you know. Saving, another big one. Yeah. Another big, another big, Nancy Drew. Just, uh, we're talking about Nancy Drew. And it is um, Drew-centric. I was not prepared. It was an, it, it was hot and heavy mm. and also just heavy in a way that I was not expecting. Like I, that came out of nowhere, but Oh my God, this episode, the whisper box was really yes. making Nancy walk through every facet of her life mm-hmm. and like reevaluate her choices and her emotions in a way that I think is going to be really beneficial for her. Cause we talk about her, her personal growth and journey all the time and this is like the first time where she's like, it, it hit her right in the face and she could not ignore it. Um, but my gosh, this episode, I've never wanted to be right about a theory. And then <laughs> it happened with her mom. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when it happened, I was like, uh, this is Reed's theory. Yeah. <laughs> it happened sooner than I thought, which I mean, cool. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was hard to watch. It was very, oh my God. Before we... I gush about Kennedy again. Let's get into Drusen in the episode. Yeah. I think um, it was so big for them as a send off. 
Mm-hmm. It, was, it felt like the the period at the end it, of the sentence. It very much did. Yeah, I when right watching this episode, I was thinking, what did I think about this? And because you felt so much about it all at once, and I think the best way to sum it up was emotional roller coaster. Like you went from one feeling to the other, right? Snap in a couple of seconds. But I do feel like the Drusen relationship was at the heart of it, and. You were on her mind, Sabrina, the whole time throughout. <laughs> the first scene where like they kissed, I immediately messaged Sabrina. I was like, I don't know if you watch, but buckle up. It's like <laughs> it's gonna hit us like a Mack truck. <laughs> oh, I was already going through. I told you that I um when you messaged me, I had to pause it because I had to go do something else. And I was already eight minutes in in a mess. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's it's because like you well first of all i love how quickly nancy realizes this is not her world um Mm -hmm. it is Uh, that's our immediately (laughs) always one step ahead of the game (laughs) i think we're like three minutes in she figures she figures it out in the kitchen or something she's like this is this is not right no it's at the claws and she's like this is not right no something's not right here um and i think the biggest giveaway was george's personality (laughs) i love that that was the deciding factor (laughs) just like bright lipstick kind hugging her wearing like a pearl bracelet and i was like this is not george not george at all but it's interesting that ace was the same for some reason Bess was a hippie um besides the fact that i guess because she lives in a van and nick was very much the same just happy um and I like that this episode took two relationships, Nancy, her, um, Nick, and um, her mom, and her closure. Mm-hmm. As she got to say some things she would never be, well, first she couldn't say to her mom because her mom has unfortunately passed. And because she didn't have the courage to say certain things to Nick. So she got to like literally work through her feelings on that relationship in a fantasy world without having to talk to him in the real world <laughs> about it. It's a perfect Nancy Drew solution for her. Um, but I do like that at the end, the way out wasn't even in Nick's house because that's not what your real issue is. Like mm-hmm. you liked him. I dare say even love him, um, but that didn't work out. The issue was your trauma surrounding your mom's death. And therefore the door has to be in your bedroom. I was like, oh God, I love these writers. Yeah. <laughs> And the fact that, that she punch. woke up in the room and it just she walked past the door of the well, in the last in the, the end of the last episode, it feels like it was right there all along. I love it when they take these episodes where a character feels like there's no a point of no return for them, and basically all they need to do is learn something about themselves. And the mm-hmm. fact that it got to do that, and it feels so simple to say it out loud, but this episode was anything but simple. There was nowhere to turn to get away from the trauma. Every single one of the arcs or the plots in the episode, there was something really emotional or like heavy hitting going on. And it reeled you in more, but it also made you want to switch it off. I can't do this anymore. Um, the fact that Nancy had to address the fact that her relationship with Nick could have been different i feel like that was very much seemed like the core of the episode at the start but then of course it was more about the fact that she never got to say goodbye to her mom at the end but yes we learned we didn't learn so much about nancy in this episode the thing i like about this episode is that nancy learned a lot about herself and i feel like that was something that needed to happen for a long time and this show has kind of been in a drusen farewell to her for like the last three or four episodes and like I love them that get to the point because we don't need this trauma. I feel like this was the love letter to them to say goodbye to them that it needed and what a love letter it was. It was. 
Okay, I have three things that just popped in my head while you guys were talking. I'm going to try to run through them without forgetting one of them. Um, I think two are connected. At the end, when Nancy's doing the whole like Wizard of Oz, like, and you were there, and you were there, mm-hmm. and you were there. Mm-hmm. And Nick was like, was I there? And she was like, yeah, you were there. And then George calls him into the office to do the restaurant business. And she was about to tell him, like, and there's one more thing. And then he has to go away. And she, George lingered mm-hmm. when she went to the mm-hmm. office and looked back at them, but then fully went into the office. And then um, Nancy watches them in the office. And she, I think in that moment, she's like, I'm not going to tell him what we did in my, in my dream world. Mm-hmm. I think that needs to stay with me. I know. I don't, I, it seems like she did learn that she no longer should um, string that poor man along. Yeah. Or, interfere with his life when she sees that he could be happy with George but also in that scene when she's kind of like staring at them through the door mm-hmm. doesn't Ace pop up yeah yes he does yeah yep. I was does. like ah <laughs> the, the nice watch has returned yeah. yes <laughs> he, oh, I love him um okay so that was the two things and then circling back to Kennedy being an amazing actress that scene at the table with her mom mm. Oh my god! Oh wow! Where's her? Can I submit her retroactively for an Emmy for that scene? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I got so distracted like after watching that because I was like, she was so good. Like, why wasn't she ever not like in the conversation for any? Like, why did I never hear about how great of a performer she is? That I had to like rewind because I missed the next scene after that. But oh my god, it's I don't even know how to explain how good she is at in those moments where there's so much going on in Nancy's mind. Mm-hmm. where she's like trying not to be outwardly grieving for her mom but like in the inside she's it's she's trying to be it was just so much that scene and i would like to rewatch it 500 times <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i agree i have that written down as one of the main talking points as well and the thing i loved about it the most is that or when i when i love about kennedy's emotional scenes is that she doesn't have to say anything there was like little to no dialogue coming from Nancy in that particular close-up when she just watched her mom on the phone, which means it was all face, all acting, all eyes, and goosebumps watching it. She what? went to the Lauren Graham school of being able to hit you in the gut emotionally with just a look. There's a, mm-hmm. a look that Lauren Graham does so often in Gilmore Girls and Parenthood where like, she just like grins, but you can tell on the inside she's like, so overwhelmed you know what i mean i michael yeah, has yeah. seen before and like her eyes are kind of welling up like oh my god that look from lauren graham just gives me chills and kennedy has that same kind of ability to just say so much and make you feel so much without like overacting and doing too much there's so many layers to that scene because she's getting to do something i believe she didn't get to do for her mom before because her dad be was there the for her mm-hmm. yeah was the one who was there with her when she received the news but also to get the news she wished she had gotten mm-hmm. and be the one with her mom to have that moment of joy and then the the moment like the sadness hits because she knows that she didn't get to live that so like you have the joy of this version of her mom getting to go off and go on a date with her dad and then you have like nancy sitting in her own grief but also trying to like hold on to this little moment uh it just it's an excellent episode. Like there's just, there's just so many things that they allow Nancy to do that she did not do, that she gets to be honest with herself about. While still like seeding things that have happened before. I love that the um, 
she can hear her friends. And the way that she can hear her friends is those little blue envelopes that her mom's letter was in, um, which I think is a lovely way of saying that she loves them. Yeah. Just like she, she loves her mom or um, Beanie Watch. We have a Beanie Watch too. Oh yeah, that was the other thing. Up. When she yeah. came down the stairs and she was like, has anybody seen my beanie? I was like, I perked up because I was like, oh, we're getting beanie content. But I couldn't really, I didn't really get a reading on if there was a metaphor surrounding the beanie in this episode. I'll have to continue to unpack that because it it didn't feel like it related to my original theory that like she puts the beanie on when she's trying to be like um, lone wolf. I'm strong. I don't need anybody else. And then she takes it off when she like opens herself up to be vulnerable and accept community and help. Um, I don't know. I, did you guys get a reading on the beanie? Well, <laughs> yeah, on that, using your philosophy, I kind of did because she was kind of pushing the fictional version of Nick away by not telling him the truth. And she just mission, mission, mission. And like logically, she should have been following the mission. She, the woman was about to die. So, yeah. But um, she let him in in that moment. And I feel like that was the moment she just kind of like was like, OK, stop pushing. And she had to be with him in that moment. And I think when it, when it dawned on her what she could have had, she let him take the hat off and I think that was an important character moment. So yeah, using your philosophy read, I, I, I did kind of get that from it. So I feel like even though it's fictional beanie, it still had had the same impact as the real beanie. <laughs> I think there is also another element in play. Cause I remember when we talked about it the first time Sabrina mentioned that her mom made it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think there is a connection with her mom because her mom is the one that finds the beanie when Nancy can't find it in this episode. Mm-hmm. She's like, Oh, your beanie's in the living room or wherever it was. I was like, Hmm. Okay. I'm jot that down and remember that. I don't know. I love Beanie Watch because it is, (laughs) I agree with you. It's her security blanket because her mom's the one who made it for her. And it does come off, um, like Michael says, after she opens up to Nick, who convinces her not to go charging off into the rain (laughs) to go, (laughs) to go find everything. Um, I, God, I love Jusen. I love Jusen so much. I actually, like, I finished once she says goodbye and I have that like, that really lovely kiss, I'm just like, I feel robbed. I'm not going to lie. Just, <laughs> I do. Um, but this is what the show has decided to do. Um, and they really they really did put the period on it because not only does is Ace the one she talks to after she decides she's not going to tell Nick, but he makes that statement about, um, well, if he's your ex, don't you not have to worry mm-hmm. about exes? Yeah, And exactly. that like ends it. Yeah, it felt very important that that statement came from him. I don't know whether I was reading too much into that, whether this is the side effects of too much time in, na- in Nesquatch. No, I mean, but... everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I think these the writers on the show understand that more than... There are some shows where it's like, why did that character say that? You just did that for convenience. But like, I think in the show, everything tends to happen for a reason. So yes, I don't think like you're, you're reading too far into it. <laughs> also, um, because... She wakes up in Nick's arms after the note from um, Ace falls on her chest. It's Ace's mm-hmm. note that wakes her up. So like, they, like Nace Watch is here. Nace Watch is not going anywhere. Because <laughs> I just that's- got chills. Because <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's, that's like literally what happens. She's in Nick's arms and then it's Ace's note that wakes her up. And then she comes wow. to realize everybody else is um, talking to her, at which I love that. Yeah, the writers work in mysterious ways. And then the end, she finds the uh, Tiffany's lockbox. Right. Reveals that mm-hmm. Tiffany was getting close to solving Lucy's murder. And Lucy wasn't happy about that. Mm. I don't know what's happening in that video. 
some mess that Nancy's going to unravel next week. <laughs> I know. I was distracted in that scene. Sorry to interrupt just for a moment because uh, we always have like a CW or CW actor watch. Um, and that was, I don't know if you recognized her, Sabrina. Yes, that was Captain Kramer from The Flash. Uh, wow. the, woman, the woman, you know, remember us talk, uh, ranting about the inconsistent Captain Kramer. Yes, that was her. I was like, oh, is wow. it? Is it? It is. <laughs> so different. So she's so different in so the show. And isn't her voice also different? I felt like it was a little higher and softer. Mm, softer, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. My question, though, was like, how does she have all of these secrets or like she, I mean, I know she was like keeping them for a reason, probably to keep the mess out of her own affairs. But like, it seemed like she had a really important piece of the Tiffany Hudson murder puzzle, and she did not. Um, I guess it's smart to not get involved. Never mind, retract. <laughs> Do well, your I thing. Guess it's just like Nancy was really smart, though, because I'm sorry, I would have not gotten that historical sign logo from no. what she got on the card, and it was oh, the six yeah. her shoes together. Yeah, that was poor Tiffany. She'd been without solving her case; had been not solved. <laughs> I, rem- I remember was it the third episode when Nick had all the clues from Tiffany to solve. I was like, I like how the show works traditionally Nancy Drew centric kind of plots into the episode which is really busy doing its own supernatural dramatic thing. But this episode was kind of like that as well. And it had the mystery to solve with the, the, the little clues. They had to go to the cemetery and figure out the clues. And you know what absolutely took me out? It was Ace and Bess trying to guess what the clues meant. And they came <laughs> up with like, um, uh, wrestling moves, song lyrics. <laughs> um, uh, what was the other one? She said strippers and he was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, I love them. <laughs> They're the best, best duo. And I do love that everyone got happy. And even Ryan got to be happy because mm. he was building a playground for the youth of the town. Maybe that's in his future in real life. We'll say. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe he stops being shellfish. <laughs> um, but is there anything else for Nancy Drew besides the fact that we love this show? <laughs> I don't think so. What was with the CW this week? Really putting us through it. <laughs> Very I much. <laughs> emotional tense just great television i now need everybody to stop ragging on our beloved network i mean can it be dragged off and do we drag it off and yes but quality television is on it you just have to actually turn on the tv, TV is back baby yeah. it's like yes. the old it's like the, the winchesters and windy it's like yeah. get, in, get <laughs> into it it's yes. like the old tagline tv to talk about and if we've proven anything in this last hour and a half oh we're talking about it yeah exactly yes exactly and so that's how we should end this though with a toast to the winchesters because they came out of basically nowhere and hit the top of the premiere board for the network they're the most watched their premiere was the most watched one of the fall tv season for the cw at seven hundred eighty-one thousand viewers they came they saw they conquered Love that for them. And the fact yes. that we spent the time, to, oh, they were the second most watched. They were the most watched series premiere, but they were the second most watched season premiere. No, they were the most watched full stop and love that for them. The what bragging rights. <laughs> yes. The crowing that's happening within the fandom right now. So <laughs> cute. Like, <laughs> yeah, they can deal with that themselves, but it's just so exciting to see how, I mean, the numbers are, it's a different ballpark for the mm-hmm. CW, but just to see the size of these two premieres for what the Winchester's and Walker Independence is so exciting. Yes. <sighs> I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed too. Hopefully it's a rising tide. It brings mm-hmm. everybody up. Yeah. Then there's they're they're two huge success stories. And that's a great way to kick off the new era, the new shows. 
and just it's a good thing for the CW in this day and age as they're trying to pivot into on the night viewership. Um, yeah, to the Winchesters. To the Winchesters. Cheers. Stream it if you haven't watched it. Yes. Cheers. Oh wait, actually I have a question. that is it for this week's pod oh it's been a lovely one i love talking about all the television shows and the what we're watching section um we are at the cw spiral i'm sabrina i'm michael and i'm reed bye y'all